0: Good morning. Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, this, this sermon is to to look back at, a, at a, a notable woman, a mother, and one who we should reflect. And I've only got, what, maybe a little less than 30 minutes to honor mothers in the room. Mothers, that ain't enough time. That, that, that ain't enough time to honor y'all. For what you have done for your children, done for your households, And done for those in the future generations. It's not enough time. But as we look back to this notable woman, we think back of what all she has done for the future generations and the things that was betrothed unto her and the things that was told that she must do. As we look at her this morning, that person is Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior. As we dive into this morning, and I got bookmarks, and I hope they're all staying in the same place where they need to be. So we we look back at at Mary, and we take notice of the announcement of her son, uh, and and a little bit of confusion that she has, and a little bit of clarification as well. I'm telling you, my bookmarks, I should have never closed my Bible. All right. So if we open up this morning, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1. We're actually going to start in the 26th verse. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now keep in mind, uh, we think about Joseph as well being the the future husband. As we're going to read, they aren't married yet. And could you imagine uh, fixing to be married to a woman and she's already with child? Today, we would think, okay, she's done slept with a man. She knew a man, as the Bible would say. She's already done that. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, not so much. Not so much. She is still a virgin. This is the, this is the, the power workings of God. This is the angel of the Lord has come over her, and she is going to betroth or going to proceed with child. So take care of her. She, so, of course, Joseph continues on to marries Mary, and they become husband and wife but here that hadn't happened yet in the the context of luke chapter 1 and verse 26 here we go now in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent by god to a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david the virgin's name was mary and having come in the angel said to her rejoice highly favored one the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, let's stop there in verse 28. Now, Mary, Mary as we see the next verse, Mary's a little, little odd. This is a very odd greeting that the, that Gabriel has just given to her, and she thinks it odd. So she asks him in verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. So why would I be blessed among women? Why, why would I be a favored one? In verse 25 excuse me 28 verse 30 then the angel said to her here we go do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God that says a lot about Mary that says uh, that says a lot about Mary and her status to God I can think of a, a man who was considered a friend of God remember Abraham we think about Abraham as like one of the great followers, or the, one, of the, one of the great prophets, or the one, the ones who was led a many a nation, and the ones who's promised the sands of the sea, who we are today. Abraham, right? So God did not did God not find favor with Abraham? Of course he did. We think about Noah. Did God not find grace in the eyes of Noah? He did. We think about Noah, we think Abraham. And here's Mary gabriel telling her that you have found favor with god ladies i'll tell you this that says a lot about mary that says a lot about mary and her potential to serve god we're going to see her answer and her dedication at the end in verse 38 but we got to get there so here we see gabriel telling mary that she has found favor with god and behold in verse 31 you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That says a lot about Mary's son. So Mary is hearing these words, but she stumbles at the beginning. She, she stumbles at the thought of her bringing forth a son. She's going to bear a child. She says, wait a minute, I'm a virgin. I know how the birds and the bees work, so how am I to do that if I have never known a man? And That's where she stumbled. That's where she gets a little bit confused. In verse 34, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One is to be born, he will be called the Son of God. The reason why I say she stumbles, because in verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So that's where she, that's where she kind of stops listening. In verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of Christ. In other words, the son of God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. They know who David was. Mary knew who David was. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So his dominion, his kingdom will be everlasting. That's what he says. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So Peter gets stumbled at that one thought. says, well, how, how, am, I, how am I to bore a son or, or bear a son or have a child if I don't know no man? And the angel says, that's going to be the power of God. He's going to overshadow you. So therefore, your son, who you're going to give birth to, is going to be considered or known as the child of God, of the son of God. In verse 36 the Gabriel continues on he says now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren so this is his example right so we see this soon mother-to-be Elizabeth that's her cousin says because they knew their, they, they knew the outcome of her. She hadn't born a child. She was un, She was even at her old age, and she still hasn't born a child. She wanted one, but she couldn't have one until God gave it to them. Of course, she bore it, and it was Zacharias and Elizabeth. So we see this. So it so he pricks her mind and says, "You know, you're right." Because Elizabeth, she was without child, so they, they tried so all these years. Y'all know how y'all's family are. It says, so-and-so has been trying for years, or so-and-so has, has been trying this, that, and still without child. I know they want one so bad. So Mary's, her, her interest was piqued. Her mind was triggered, if you will. And in verse 37, needs to be one of our most favorite verses, if you will. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you think God had the authority to give them that child? Most assuredly. God had the authority just to manifest a child there, but through natural laws of science and the birds and the bees, if you will, that's how it came forth. Both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. And look at Mary's answer in verse 38. We see her finding favor with God in verse 30. We see her a notable woman. We see her worthy of toting the child of God, of all the people that God could have chosen. He chose Mary. So Mary realizes that, and this is what she says in verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her right exactly so we see Mary saying I'm your maidservant I'm going to do what you say let it be done I'm here I'm going to serve you." don't you think in the back of her mind this young woman this young woman saying this is going to be God's son this this God's son. Man, everything's going to be smooth sailing. This is going to be the most perfectest child has ever lived and has ever lived because this is going to be the son of God. of <laughs> you ever thought about that as a, as a new parent? Of well, course, I can't say that because we're not, we're not parents. But so, y'all's first child, right? You're all happy and excited, and you're ready to, to, to get this child into the world and, and just... Show it all. You're proud. Right? You're proud. And then comes the moment that you think, what was I thinking? I know y'all smiling back there. What was I thinking? Right, mothers? This child has been the seed of Satan since the day one. of that type of thought. Now, this child is unruly and so forth. Look how much grief this child has put forth. Hey, I was right there. I was right there with those grief-giving children, right? I was a boy. I was a boy of my mother, Brendan. So, you know, I could just see her right now saying, mm-hmm, you remember this time, you remember that time. So turn a little bit further out to Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 41. I have to read rather quickly because this one's a little bit long reading. <clears throat> His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old. So here we see Jesus Christ is 12 years old, right? They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, asking and seeking him. So it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. I'll stop there in verse 46. So here we see a 12 year old boy staying behind in Jerusalem and not telling a single soul. Mothers, what if your son did that to you? You done went a day's journey. I'm not talking about the men yet. That's that we y'all got your own special day. This is a mother's day, right? Mothers, how would you feel if your son could not be found in a day? You've been you've lost him for a day, right? This is the son of God. Keep that in mind. You lost him, and you can't find him. You thought he was with you, but not so much. You can't find him. So three days later, how how? distraught do you think his mother was? How distraught do you think Mary was? Ladies, how would you be distraught? Three days, right? I can only relate to that for a couple hours when I was missing Melissa that one time and that's my wife, right? This is your child. Ladies, this is your child. missing for three days. In the back of your mind, were you saying, when I find that boy, he is grounded to eternity. Right? That type of thought. He's going to suffer a punishment Making me, we're looking for him, we're worried about him, but when I find him, right? So we see see him in three days, right? So they see him in the temple, but you notice what his mother says. So they find him in the temple after three days, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions in verse 47. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Uh, He had a little bit of a leg up on them, did he not? A 12-year-old son of God, this little boy, had an understanding of what they were saying, and his understanding for them astonished them. These were scholars. Again, that says a lot about the young Jesus Christ. So we see his mother. So when they saw him, they were amazed. They said, so this is where he's been. So this is where they, being his mother and his father, well, his mother and his earthly father, his fatherly presence, rather, seeing they were amazed at what was happening. Do you think Mary, in the back of her mind, said, Oh, yeah. I keep in mind that they're going to call him the son of the Most Highest, and he's going to achieve David's kingdom, and he's going to rule over... His people with no end. That didn't come to her mind just yet. Look what look what she says. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. The word anxiously, right? We have been looking for you for three days and we find you here in the temple. You were supposed to go with them and so forth. You no, know, a motherly talk to her son, Why didn't you go with us? Christ rebukes her, but this is her question to him. Why have you done this to us? A worryful mother trying to take care of her son. There you go. Mothers, you take care of your children. I know the ones in this audience have. Mothers, you have taken care of your children. Now it's their turn to take care of you. To love and honor and to give you the praiseworthy that's needed. Because we look at that love, honor, and praise, and praise through Jesus Christ. Who gave his blood for all. So they would have an opportunity of salvation. Well, let's look at, before, before we get to there, let's look at what Christ says unto Mary. His mother, 12-year-old boy, right? And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They didn't understand. My father's business, what are you talking about? Twelve-year-old boy saying, I must be about my father's business. Joseph knows that he's not his daddy. Joseph knows that. Mary knows that she born through the power of God, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, Right? She knows that. You don't forget something like that. So they didn't fully understand what he's talking about, his father's business. This 12-year-old boy shouldn't be talking like this. But this was the Son of God. This was our Lord and Savior at twelve years old. And of course, he went from there. He grew in with favor and stature amongst men, and also in the eyes of God. There's another instance. Oh, my bookmark just left me. The instance where Christ turns the water into wine and it just fell out. My apologies. I'll go to this next one. let's, let's, Let's think about that first miracle that Christ ever did. When Mary is preparing this wedding feast and they run out of wine. So we see Mary going to Jesus and saying, we run out of wine. And Christ rebukes her and says, what is any matter of this mind? This, this isn't my business. And as Mary leaves, Jesus, she tells the servants, servants, whatever he says goes. Whatever he says, do it. So Jesus tells them to fill up those water pots with water. And we see that water being turned into wine. We don't actually get to the representation of it, but we see that the, uh, oh, I just lost his name, his example. I wish my bookmark hadn't fell out. But whenever we see that the master of the event, if you will, whatever his name was, I can't remember what his name was, he tasted that wine and he had the uh, bridegroom to come in. And he says, ain't you supposed to put out the good wine first? Anybody having an event, put your good wine first, and you back it up with the bad wine. Well, they did that. The bridegroom brought the good wine out first, but the wine that Jesus made was better tasting than their best wine. He done his mother a favor, and he held nothing back. He loved his mother. He loved his mother enough to say, I'm going to take care of you. At the end of our Lord and Savior's life, He knew He was dying upon that cross for your sins, my sins, and the sins of everybody. He was concerned about His mother. You remember that? You remember that concern about His mother? Because as He's about to leave, who's, who's going to be his, who's going to take care of her? John 2-2. Was it John 2:2? Whenever Jesus turned the water to wine. Let's, let's turn that. up. There you go. Thank you for that. The, uh, the master of the feast. That's the person who I was talking to. There you go. Uh, John chapter 2 and 2, whenever Jesus turns the water into wine for your, for your future reading there. But, it, but it's the instance note that whenever Christ turned that water into wine, that it was better than their best wine because Christ loved his mother. So now turn with me to John 19, verse 25. Now this is a Lord and Savior on the cross fixing to die. We see John's account of our word, the words of our Lord and Savior. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Don't you think she was in tears? So we see a a young mother at a a 12-year-old boy looking for him for three years. She wasn't a neglected mother. She loved her son. So here she is seeing the death of her son. Which is something no parent should ever have to do. They should, but sometimes that happens. So we see our Lord and Savior on the cross, Him looking at His mother and saying, Woman, behold your son. Now we see the love of Jesus for His mother. Again, is Christ not our representation? Is He not our cornerstone? Is He not the one that we should measure ourselves up with? We call ourselves Christians, do we not? Christians means to be Christ-like. The reason why I say that, look what he does for his mother. Then he said to the disciple, the one whom he loved, standing by, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her home to his own home. As Jesus departed from this earth in flesh... He took care of his mother. He took care of his mother. <laughs> Ladies, like I said, 30 minutes ain't enough. 22 minutes ain't enough. If artists had to change the clock and the, uh, the batteries in the clock back there, it was like 3.15. I had all kind of time to honor you. This is just one choice, the so one decision of the many mothers that we have in the Bible. When you raise up your family in a, as a, in a Christian home, You're glorifying God. Mary was glorifying our Lord by raising Him up in a godly manner, in a nurturing manner, in a caring manner. And that's the duties of a mother. The duties of a mother is to love us, to raise us up, to nurture us, to guide us, to instruct us. In all honesty, she's the backbone of the house. Men say, no, I don't think so. It's not our day, remember? It's not your damn Dogs don't count. <laughs> so we think about mothers. Are we honoring them enough? We're not. We're not. Many of us went out and got presents. Many of us went out and got flowers, cards. How about just a visit with your mother? How about just sitting down and having a conversation and telling her about your day? That's that's an extension of your love, is it not? When we sit down there and we encourage our mothers because they have encouraged us so much. Has the scriptures not told us to honor thy mother and thy father? Today we honor mothers. And again, I can't say it enough. Mothers, you're appreciated, and you're not appreciated enough. So as we close this lesson, we take an example from Christ helping His mother and providing for His mother. But Christ also provided for His disciples. Did He not? He provided His disciples a way of escape of sin. He provided a way out upon His death upon that cross when He gave protection for His mother. Because shortly after that, He perished upon that cross. He says, It is finished. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He gave up the ghost, took on your sins, so they may be remitted, so we can have an opportunity of salvation. Salvation awaits us, folks. Salvation awaits us if, if and only if we come to God and give him our very best as his children. Now, baptism is implied in that statement. You might say, well, well baptism is not essential for salvation. I've heard that argument. Baptism is essential for salvation. Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is baptized, both together, your faith and your baptism working together, is saved. He who does not believe is condemned already. <coughs> so baptism is essential. So those who have yet to be immersed, those who have yet to put Christ on, Galatians three twenty seven through baptism that's your start of your spiritual walk again christ allowed an opportunity of salvation your salvation awaits you your salvation awaits you so my encouragement there is no reason at all you should take another breath take another walk being lost upon this earth you may have been immersed or baptized for the remission of sins and took in that short walk with satan Turn away from it. Stop sinning. Stop being disobedient. Do not let the sun set on your wrath to God because that's exactly what we're doing. We're showing God wrath when we're disobedient unto Him. When we sin, it's wrath. When we're obedient unto Him, we're abiding in His love. When we are in His commandments, we abide in His love. My encouragement is to abide in His love. Keep those commandments. Stay that child of God until you breathe your last, and that gift of eternal life awaits you. Revelation 2.10. He is going to give you the crown of life. I didn't say a crown of life. It says the crown of life. Folks, that's salvation. This same Jesus, making sure his mother was took care of, left this earth making sure his disciples were took care of. This morning, do you need to that, that extent that extension of that giving has been extended? That opportunity of salvation awaits you. That opportunity of repentance is now, if need be. Because all of us are sinners. Some of us are justified sinners, but all of us are sinners. Do you need that justificating power of the blood of Christ by repentance? Because you already got that through baptism if you have done so. Do you need access to it again? Why wait? Why tarry? Because tomorrow's not promised. The sun may set and tomorrow may be gone. Do you need to repent this morning? Turning your heart back over to God, rededicating yourself, saying, I'm ready. This is where I need to be. I need to have my focus back on God. Why don't we do so as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation?